Hey, Bobby here. Welcome to Quotalist, where software sales leaders and professionals share ideas to help you master your mind, your business, and your time. Remember, when we embrace practice, develop awareness, and align our efforts, we can rise above the deal. We can live Quotalist. Hey, everyone. My name is Bobby Dysart, and this is Quotalist. I'll start by thanking you, the listener. Over the last year and a half, I've been through quite the personal growth journey, and part of that journey has been lived by way of the podcast. And the rebranding to Quotalist and the start of this podcast is yet another exclamation point of my journey, and I just can't thank you enough for following along and appreciate you giving a little bit of your attention today. Uh, Before I uh, introduce today's guest officially, I figured it'd be great to just stump him a little with with one question trivia. So, Brandon, what was the best-selling book in the world last year? Was it A, the Bible, B, James Clear's Atomic Habits, C, Bitcoin for Dummies, or D, Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy. Oof. Two great ones on there. I'm a huge fan of Atomic Habits and uh, love everything from Ryan Holiday. Uh, If I were to just take an educated guess, I'm going to have to go with the Bible based off its universality. You know, that's not a bad guess. And this is a little bit of a cheat um, because this is based on Amazon sales which may not account for all sales of the worldwide Bible. Uh, But according to James, uh, Atomic Habits was officially the number one best-selling book on Amazon. It also spent every week of 2021 on the New York Times bestseller list, either in the one or two position. And it's also currently the number one audio book on Audible. So for that, we're going to give the win to Atomic Habits. And good for him. That is an amazing book. Yes. It's on my must-read list to everybody I talk to. 100%. And now I bring it up because um, Brandon Flaherty, our guest, um, he's he's the founder of Be Focused, Live Great. He's also the VP of Strategic Accounts at LivePerson. But Brandon, you're also a guy who I think subscribes to systems more so than goals. And inside James Clear's Atomic Habits, one of the beautiful gems is this quote, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And so I thought it made sense uh, to sort of parlay that uh, discussion into our discussion around how to make seven-figure selling software as a service without burning out because you, I think, use some really, really interesting systems. Yeah. Um, I've really been a believer in, well, first of all, thanks for having me on Bobby. This is, uh, you know, something I've been looking forward to, but, uh, yeah, I have been a subscriber to this whole concept of developing a personal operating system, um, really out of necessity. I kind of had to learn the hard way. Um, you know, like many in sales, I didn't stumble, I, you know, I didn't deliberately get into sales. I stumbled upon it and you know, needing to learn on the job, figure things out while under constant pressure. That's a common way of life for a lot of sellers out there. So 
um, you know, certainly had to learn this through, through practice. And I think I've finally gotten to a point really when the pandemic hit, it was a catalyst for me when the world slowed down, the world slowed down for everybody. Um, I started to kind of deliberately be more intentional, um, be more focused on what I could control, what I could not control. And ironically, I started to accelerate deals and close bigger deals. Um, actually, the most uh, in, in, in my life uh, last year, kind of following this personal operating system. And, um, you know, it wasn't always the case. Like many, I used to constantly hustle and grind, I used to wear a lack of sleep like a badge of honor, <laughs> um, like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, that, that we look up to. And um, though, it had consequence. I was successful. I closed, you know, specifically here at Live Person, I, I was successful in closing 11 million in annual recurring revenue over a two year period. But, you know, it had a toll, had a toll on relationship with my wife, my health, uh, my overall mental and emotional well being. Um, but like I said, once the pandemic hit, um, and things started to slow down, I was able to really hone in on my system, fine tune and optimize that system. And a lot of that didn't focus on the sales aspects, it focused on me as a human being first, a seller second. And the, the, the output was just a natural outcome of really being curious of developing and optimizing the system. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think what you uh, sort of point out very well is, um, you know, this is sort of a two-tiered approach. On one hand, you have to develop the work ethic, the systems, et cetera, to, uh, that, that, that can even point you in the direction of making seven figures, which seven figures, yeah. right, for everyone who's listening, like, we agree, that's a big number, right? E even in 2022, where there's billionaires walking around. Uh, you know, a million dollars is still a lot to make in one single year. Um, and that said, I think you do a really good job of saying the second part of that is without burning out, right? You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't yeah. want to kill yourself to get there. You want both. Um, right. Let's start with the left side. Because um, you mentioned, right, you stumbled into sales like many of us have. Um, you were sort of successful, right? Um, probably making mm -hmm. six figures, probably, mm -hmm. you know, seeing progression in your career. But what is it like to just sort of wrap your arms around this idea of even making seven figures. Yeah, I knew it was possible um, back when, you know, even before I joined a company like LivePerson, I knew there were people out there doing it. Um, you know, I've spoken with them. I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand. And um, it seemed like this unicorn thing that, hmm, I think I could do that. It was, it was really... That was the mindset. I think I could do that. I don't know how, but I think it can be done. And so I think one of the most helpful things was hearing that I could do it um, from actually the manager who, who hired me here at LivePerson. Um, you know, he, he hired a handful of us or about five or six. We were you know, going through um, sort of a revamp of the sales structure and he was bringing on a team of folks who were focused on new logo acquisition. And, you know, he said point blank to me, this is a seven figure earning role. And I think you could be one of the first to hit that mark. 
And I think it helped hearing somebody else say it versus me questioning it internally. But once I heard that, I sort of just took the ball and ran. It didn't happen in the, my first year. It took me that first year of building, like you said, took that work ethic. I always had a strong work ethic. Um, but then, you know, the second year actually finally getting into it, um, of, of making it possible, um, I worked with my direct manager at, at, at that time. We worked on something uh, which was a theme for 2019. It was the first year I hit the seven-figure earners club. Um, heading into that year, because I was had strong work ethic, we wanted to polish that work ethic with a more strategic focus. And I think what he recognized in me is I was willing to say yes to everything coming on my plate. And there were some really tantalizing things like working to close Facebook, Apple, Walmart. I mean, we're talking like the mammoth companies of the world that run the world. Yet, um, as tantalizing as those were, they weren't necessarily going to end in accelerated deals um, or large deals as quick as I could in some of these other pursuits that I was having success at. So by deliberately slowing down to speed up, that was our core theme heading into that year, um, I really learned a valuable lesson of actually saying no for me at that stage in my career became more important than what I said yes to. And um, that that is something that I advocate for whenever now I can tell other folks, hey, I think you're in the right environment now. Um, you could make seven figures in SaaS sales as well. Uh, I think one of the things you need to work on is slowing down to speed up, but be really intentional about what you say yes and no to, because we have only a limited amount of time and energy that we need to manage well. Well said, and slowing down to speed up, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. I want to hang on the first point you made for, for just a brief minute um, with regards to hearing that it's possible that you make yeah. seven figures. That, that sounds like a real incredible moment and mentor in that manager mm -hmm. um, yeah. and something that doesn't always just fall upon us, um, that maybe some of us actually have to seek out, be clear that this yeah. is something that we want, be clear that we want to attach ourselves to other people that are successful. Um, how did it, how did that sort of culminate with that leader? Yeah, I think it was being open, um, having a level of curiosity. Um, I think one thing that, that I have exhibited throughout my, my life that I've sort of, again, stumbled upon early in, in adulthood through going through challenges and putting myself in uncomfortable uh, positions, um, such as trying to become a professional soccer player in Europe when really talent wise, I did not deserve to be there. I couldn't even start my first two seasons in college yet somehow I was able to leave after my sophomore season and, and go try my luck to win a contract in Eastern Europe. And by taking that challenge, by being curious, sort of believing in myself, um, believing almost I could sort of systemize success. Um, it, it put me in a place that I think 
over time, I, was, I started getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because I knew when I got uncomfortable, I could eventually get comfortable uh, in that situation. And it forced me to get better. Uh, I don't think I was deliberately doing those things at time. In retrospect, in all of our lives, it's much easier to look back and say, oh, yeah, interesting how I thought that way or I did this and I did that. Oh, that's, that's why I was a soccer player. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. But uh, I think, you know, always striving for something big yeah. um, was, was a natural attribute. And I think that, you know, not to get too philosophical, but I think when you carry that energy, um, you start to attract others who also embody that energy. And like magnets, you know, somehow you find one another and you, you know, the, the one percenters, you know, attract the other one percenters and you level each other up. Um, but you can't do that, you know, if you're not willing to be a little uncomfortable and, and challenge yourself. And so I think by challenging myself, always being curious and learning and wanting to expand, um, I naturally, we, we naturally, our universes collided. And, uh, and then I was able to, to take some of those learnings from somebody who was much more experienced than I was in B2B selling, complex enterprise, strategic selling, consulting, so forth. Um, you know, we, we were, we were almost destined to, to come together, um, because of our mindsets, our shared mindsets. Yeah. Beautiful. And yeah, I, I was reading your bio, like you definitely have an interesting, um, history, uh, both as a international soccer player, I believe you spun some music a little bit on the, uh, on the ones and twos as well. That's right. And, That's right. Um, you know, I, I, I am one who will just in, indulge in a philosophical and spiritual situation around alignment mm -hmm. um, and the yeah. forces of energy. At the same time, there is a practicality there um, that, that does yeah. exist that I don't think anyone listening should ignore, which is, you know, it, it is sort of natural and logical that when you are seen as a person who's constantly striving to be better, who's constantly working on a craft, whether that's, you know, soccer DJing or sales, you know, people, people are attracted to that, especially other people that are working on their crafts. And yeah. in, in your scenario that, that landed or that, I guess, uh, sort, sort of revealed itself, that connection, um, as him saying, Hey, I yeah. think you could be our first seven figure seller. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, I think those who see, who have been successful and see the potential of success and, and those who are hungry for success, um, but who are genuine, who, you know, uh, you know treat others with, with respect, treat those who have the experience before them with respect and, and lean in with curiosity. Um, that's, that's an attractive energy to be around. Like, why wouldn't you want to invest your time in that person to help them help get them to where, you know they could go based off of your own experience and perhaps even show them where they may not think they could go. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think of a lot of it comes down to energy we, we portray out there to, to others and you will, you will attract like energy. Mm. That's great. So let's return to this idea of slowing down to speed up in your, yeah. um, 
in your content, you use the phrase anti-hustle and, and hustle less. Yeah. And, um, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. I think, um, uh, why don't you expand on that a little bit too? As far as energy yeah. goes, like, I think this is another piece of the puzzle. That's really interesting is like you, yeah. you, you actually, w once you get to a million dollars, you don't want to be in a situation where you're running around with your, you know, tearing your hair out. And so the sooner you sort of come to terms with you're going to do this in a way that is fulfilling, in a way that produces the lifestyle that you want and is effective, the sooner, the sooner you'll live out that reality. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, you know, I think, you know, for, for me, I, I, you know, not that the sales world needs another acronym, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, one, one thing I, I discovered that has been super helpful for me is managing my temper um, and energy is a part of that. So the first one is time. You know, we hear that all the time. Um, you know, we, we all have 24 hours. That's a given. That's the fact of life. Everybody has the same amount of time every single day. Um, but, you know, what good is it to have all the time in the world if you also don't have energy? And I think often overlooked is managing the energy aspect um, because, well, what if, you know, very apropos in today's world, you know, uh, with a pandemic going around, staying healthy is, is a very strategic initiative to do because if you are healthy and, and you can maximize your energy, well, that's just another day of more opportunity that you can harness and leverage to get you one step closer to your goals. So I think time and energy are the most important, but the rest of temper, um, M, P, and R, M is motivation. And, you know, one, one thing I had to discover is, you know, even though I got to the seven figure earners club, um, you kind of feel like I'm a different person. Mm. And certainly there are things that I'm, you know, feel right is different. My life is, is different in a lot of ways that it wasn't in say 2018, 2017 and so forth when I was earning six figures. Um, but in, in some ways, things don't change, right? It's it's not like hitting the lottery. Um, yeah, the extra digit doesn't just fall right. in the bank account and all of a sudden you're a completely different human being right. with completely exactly. different challenges and opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. And and nor should you want to be. Um, so I, I say all of that, 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 that our motivation is, is really important to keep in context as well. You know, are, are you extrinsically motivated by that? acquiring that Lamborghini, which hey, nothing against that. If you are an, an Italian supercar aficionado and there's something burning in you since you were nine years old that, hey, this is going to be a sort of a reflection and that's going to be the reward and recognize, well, go for it, all, all for it. I'm not trying to disparage anyone who has materialistic motives, but I think the more powerful motive starts to become these intrinsic motivation um, and motivators where if you can tap into that, that's how it starts to become sustainable and repeatable. And then P are, okay, well, how do I prioritize priorities? How do I prioritize the things that motivate me? And then the R stands for, well, how do I apply the right focus on those things that 
are my priorities that I say are my priorities and, and, and motivate me? How do I have the right focus at the right time, all the time, the best I can and, and have enough compassion sort of underpinning in some ways, temper is compassion when maybe I don't apply the right focus because, hey, naturally I'm a human being and I might fall uh, stray to, to some distractions. But if I can constantly keep thinking about my temper, that helps me to avoid distractions or helps me to avoid reacting to things outside of my control and brings me back to a more centered focus of, okay, time, energy, motivation, priorities, right focus. That's sort of my compass for applying the personal operating system. Mm. You know, we don't need another acronym, but I really like that one. <laughs> and so this is- Oh, I've got two more for you. I've got two more for oh, you. Okay. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into it. Cool, cool. Um, no, temper. I love that. And I mean, the, the, the word itself is sort of a polarizing word and something I think we can yeah. all, you know, when we hear that word, nobody wants a temper, right? And then we right. also want to right. temper our temper. <laughs> so, right. man, so, so much use uh, in that. So thank yeah. you for dropping that. Um, on us. Mm. I think this is a good time to transition into your upcoming release of your yeah. system uh, called the seven yeah. steps to seven figures that I believe is dropping on the 7th of March. That's right. Um, I, I got a sneak peek of this. And I, I mean, first, man, just it, it really is an incredible resource. And, and I say that because of the care and the precision that um, sort of every word and every exercise and every graphic holds, like it, it really does drip off the page. Um, and that was the first thing I noticed because I, I, I review a ton of books, a ton of you know different um, sales guides and things of that nature. And the first thing I saw that was like, okay, he really, really took his time and he put some genuine uh, compassion and thought into this, into this resource. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I really did put some thought and effort into this because what I wanted to honestly do after getting some advice, uh, advice from you know many wise people who are sort of ahead of me, a few steps ahead of me is talk to the person you were three years ago or talk to that past person um, who you weren't, but you wanted to be. And that's that's really what I tried to think about, and and back to your your thought on hustle because really a lot of you know what you walk through in the system talks about this anti-hustle approach. Right. I think it's first important to define hustle, at least in my eyes, of uh, in context of designing the system. Um, hustle for me, what it it it, it means, I, I I think of the opposite of hustle is craft. And, and for me, hustling is doing something when you don't want to do it out of fear, out of fear that you're going to lose your job, out of fear that you're going to upset your manager, your CEO, um, fear out of societal fear, right? I need to do this to support my family or whatever it is, right? right. Craft, on the other hand, can be working just as hard as that hustle and grinder, but you're doing it for that intrinsic motivation. You're doing it for a, a reason that you've defined for yourself is, is a 
is a higher calling, a higher purpose, your North Star, you're doing it for those reasons. Um, that's why athletes, right, work really, really hard at their craft. That's why actors and artists, even scientists work really, entrepreneurs, they work really, really hard at their craft and they do it not because they're told to do it or out of fear of doing it because they love to do it. So that's what I wanted to define. Like, I don't want it to be construed that anti-hustle means not working hard. No, I actually work harder than a lot of people, but I do it again in a very intentional and thoughtful way. And I think once you can then start to be more aware of these things and systemize these things, that's how you repeat it. Because we know in sales, earning seven figures can be done, right? It's been done by a handful of people. It's usually like a one-off. It's that one unicorn year in a decade or two decades of selling. How do you do it every single year? That's a, a lot about what the system's about. Seven steps to seven figures. Mm. Yeah, a helpful distinction. I think hustle uh, has a poor reputation, uh, at, at least on social media and um, yeah. in recent sales circles. I think just just based off the history of the sales uh, profession, um, whereas hard work uh, is sort of universally celebrated and should be. And right. um, I do think in this uh, in this system, the seven steps to seven figures, you do a good job of anchoring around this idea that you are, you, you're building something. This isn't, you know, this isn't a, a quick sort of uh, scrappy way to get to seven figures. This is a yeah. systematic proven approach that aligns with your values after you figure out what those values are. Right. 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 Um, so let's get into it. Let's, let's, you yeah. know, we're not going to take down the entire uh, system here in the next 15 minutes, but we can provide yeah. a high level overview uh, and dive yeah. into some different pieces. Um, so the seven steps, if, if you don't mind me sharing, sure. um, or get in the right environment, um, create a targeted uh, account list, um, break through your own personal limitations, create a standard that no one else delivers. Really love that one rally others to close deals with you and develop your own personal personal operating system. Um, I, I actually, you, you write in the system to not, uh, they, they can sort of skip around and, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I do like that you start with get in the right environment uh, and this idea of a targeted account list because I do think it goes well with this idea that you, you actually can go farther by slowing down. Right. Um, and part of that is making sure you're in the right space to do so. Um, so can yeah. you talk a little bit about those two um, just to get us rolling? Yeah. Um, all those seven steps were the steps that I followed in that sequential order. And, you know, as you read, I, I talk about, hey, maybe you already are in the right environment. Maybe you're at Google Cloud. Maybe you're, you're, you're already loving what you do and you feel supported and you know of, there are other folks who are earning seven figures. Well, maybe this step isn't for you, you know, go on to, you know, being really strategic about your account lists and personalizing that. But well, and, and, you and know, real quick, just a reminder for the listener, right? Like you knew you were in the right environment because you had a mentor that said, Hey, right. Gonna, exactly. This is our yeah. plan for you. Let's figure yeah. out the resources. Let's figure out where we're going. Right. But you, you definitely had that validation um, beforehand. Yeah, that's right. 
But before at my old company, I knew that there were seven figure sellers out there. I knew in the old environment and nothing against it because I wasn't looking to leave where I was. I was sort of discovered and it was actually a challenge for me to leave that old role. It's a late stage startup. I was enterprise selling and that is something I caveat in the system that um, to earn seven figures in SaaS sales, you really do need to be selling to enterprise. Nothing against SMB sellers. I, I know a lot of them making three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's great. Um, but to to really earn, you know, over a million dollars in commissions and 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 income in in a year, you need to be selling to enterprise. You need that experience. You need some level of experience speaking to C level executives at a Fortune fifty level brand, and be patient and, and willing to endure long sales cycles. So that's sort of the caveat. And then that's a good layer also to, hey, well, am I in the right environment? And the best way to do that, the way I deconstruct it in step one is, we'll just do a, solve a simple math equation, right? Take your quota, you know, take your average deal cycle, take your uh, uh, average bookings and, and apply that to see if you can even get to uh, seven figures. And if there's a big delta there, well, maybe you aren't in the right environment just because your company can't support um, large enough, you know, transformational type of deals. Um, and, and that's really where I was in that old role. Um, but coming to this new role and then getting the additional validation of someone saying, hey, I think you can be our first. Uh, it's definitely possible here when you solve the math equation, but you can actually you know, do this. So that was that additional validation that I needed. Yeah, smart. And that's another good point. Like you, you actually were happy at your other place. You had a good right. role, but literally the math just didn't pencil. <laughs> that's right. Uh, exactly. And yeah, it is very interesting in those first two spaces. Like um, it's pretty illuminating that you only closed six deals, I believe, to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those got to be the right kind of deals. And you got to be chasing right. the right kind of yeah. deals in order to yeah. get there. Um, so smart, so smart. So get in the right environment, um, have a target account list. Um, I, I want to move to the third piece, which is uh, breakthrough personal limitations. Um, yeah. You know, again, you know, I asked you this at the top of like, you know, how do you even begin to sort of reason that this is possible? Because that's, that's a little intimidating in and of itself. You know, I, I've been a really successful software salesperson and sales leader my whole career. I haven't inked seven figures <laughs> and I, and, and to be, to be honest, like I, I just didn't really, uh, th that, that seemed like super out of reach. Um, so I think this piece of breaking through personal limitations, um, complemented by hearing, you know, a mentor, or another peer, yeah. um, so, so, sort of believe in you or, or, or even show you that it's possible is yeah. really interesting. I want to point out a specific piece of this, of this, uh, section, you you talk about turning um, your personality weaknesses uh, weaknesses I put in quotes there uh, into a sales superpower. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. So imposter syndrome is something I think a lot of us suffer with, especially as you're climbing the ranks. And what I think is important to recognize is it is a healthy sign. Uh, it is showing you that you are willing to expand into those uncomfortable situations that you'll eventually get comfortable with. It's just like graduating 
school and going to the next level of school and then eventually going to university or whatever it is and then going out into the real world. It's scary at first and that's okay. Um, so embrace that imposter syndrome as a healthy sign, but it doesn't need to stop you and limit you. And one of the things that I started to discover about myself is I'm, I'm personally highly introverted. I, I suffered actually from social anxiety growing up. It was, it was actually debilitating in high school. Um, and even like my soccer playing days, um, you know, sort of being the, the sort of quiet guy and the loner, I, I didn't quite kind of click with my teammates um, like some of my, my other teammates did. And, um, and then getting into sales early in my career, I thought there's something was wrong with me. You had to be that extroverted person. It was all about relationship. It was all about getting a deal done over dinner. That's how you did. And I was terrified of those situations. Um, but what I started to learn, um, and then naturally what I've become is more of an ambivert, um, somewhere between an introvert and extrovert through mindset and building, deliberately working on things and just being comfortable being around other people. Um, but I'm still leaning towards, from a personality standpoint, introversion. And it wasn't really until I started getting into more complex sales, enterprise and strategic selling, that actually my introversion started to become a, a, a strength versus this concept I had to just work the numbers, have a robust pipeline and be this extroverted person who can sort of manipulate or influence people into buying something. Um, I got away from that persona or this forced persona or, th or thought that I thought you had to be in sales and just embraced the human elements and said, no, screw it. Actually, being introverted helps me to be strategic. It helps me to be a better listener. It helps me be empathetic. And so taking quiet time to actually realize that about myself and then strategically harness that and then systemize those things and bring those to the fore forefront in every engagement, that's when I started to, you know, things clicked into place. I felt more confident. I could be more comfortable in my skin around others. And then again, you, you naturally put off an air of, of confidence and expertise and energy that attracts others and you can build better relationships that way. So that was a key thing of kind of repurposing those weaknesses in quotes into my sales superpower so that I could double down on them and use them in every single engagement. Yeah, it really caught my attention. You, you did a great job of specifying exactly how to do that. Um, I believe you even wrote down specifically things like, I know I'm quiet. I know I'm, I, I overthink, and then you sort of write the inverse of those. Um, because you're quiet, that also means you're a great listener, right? Because you overthink things, it means that you're critical and you're strategic in your thought. And so often in sales and, and in life, we are obsessing over the things that we can't do as opposed to perfecting the things we do sort of naturally and well. And I really yeah. like that when we can take what, what, what we might perceive as, as, as negatives, but flip them to positives, we can actually s sort of invest in those, in those skill sets. Um, and that's, 
that's, I would argue, definitely a better strategy than trying to perfect something we're just not even naturally sort of aware of or good at to begin with. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of it just comes down to just doing the deep work, um, building in reflection and writing and, you know, spending time with yourself in those quiet moments to recognize those things in yourself. Because you're right, you know, that can be a key difference between somebody who does well and somebody who does extraordinarily well, who's doubling down on their uh, excellent assets that they have inherent. They don't perceive them as a negative that somebody else might might look at. No, I'm really good at this. I'm going to double down on those things. This gives you the fuel to do that. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think just. Uh, to, to sort of relate everything I took away from the book and um, sort, sort of lead to our finish here about developing your own personal operating system. Yeah. Um, again, I, I want to thank you because you did a really good job of both normalizing and um, relating things like meditation, ideas like journaling and practices like um, you know self-reflection to, uh, you know, commercial gains, to success in sales, which, you know, in all honesty, Brandon, for the last year and a half, I've been sort of um, uh, pushing away. Um, you know, I, I, I've found a, a sort of an awakening of myself through those, those activities and those practices, but I've been nervous and sort of like, to, I've been nervous to bring them into my sales fold because I, I, my sense is that they're like taboo. And, and when I, yeah. you know, when I first started in sales, I had some great mentors, but they certainly weren't telling me to meditate <laughs> and self-reflect to make, yeah. to make, you know, millions of dollars early on that that's yeah. a more recent thing. And, and, and I really appreciate you sort of planting the flag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, you saying that. And yeah, I don't think we have to look at other too far to look at like other elite performers out there. And I think, again, we over index on sports and sales, uh, in those analogies, but, um, I, I will sort of say, you know, you, you look at somebody like a Tom Brady or even LeBron James or Serena Williams, you name it, somebody who has sort of been at the top of their career for so long and so consistent or, or my preferred sport, you know, someone like a Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, somebody who just does it year after year, season after season. Um, you know, they are doing things in their personal life, right? That isn't just the stuff on the field. You know, Le LeBron James talks about, you know, the importance of sleeping nine, 10 hours a day. Imagine if he were out there boasting about, oh, I go to bed at midnight and up at 4 a.m. <laughs> And then I'm going to go, you know, win, win an NBA championship or, you know, lead the, the you know, uh, all-star team, right? It just, it wouldn't happen um, and, and so forth and so on. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like we got to break through some of those, the old ways, you know, aren't going to give us the, the new results that we seek. And I think we've got to be, again, curious enough to start being more aware of, of those things. Some of that. It just comes down to tracking, you know, and, and tracking some of these things like, how, how did you sleep last night? How much sleep debt are you in? 
when are you at your highest peak energy states? What are you doing in there? Are you maximizing them to do your most important task? Or are you giving that high energy state away to email or Slack or some of the, you know, updating your CRM? Those little things, going back to atomic habits, getting better 1% each day. Well, if you're not doing the right things at the right time, you know, you could be, you know, staying static or even decreasing your capabilities and that's going to hurt your, your wallet or your pocketbook. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, <laughs> just because you brought it up, I, I will hang on LeBron James for a second, um, <laughs> at our peril. Uh, but w- one thing I noticed about him in particular, uh, when he, when he loses championships, big LeBron fan, by the way, grew up in Ohio, watched him in high school. Yeah, I grew up in Akron. There yeah, we go. So. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing that I don't think it certainly doesn't get celebrated and it barely gets noticed is when he's lost championships, he is disappointed, but at ease. And mm-hmm. I reason that he's at ease because of all of the, the infrastructure that he's put into his daily life, you know, that, that, that sort of win or a loss is, mm, is, is, is just sort of a punctuation mark, right? One one way or the other, because he hangs his hat on how he spent the other 364 days, um, that weren't, you know, the championship in, in 2014. Um, and in sales, we, we really struggle with that we we look at ourselves as the greatest things ever when we're 200% to quota and the worst things the worst people in the world that don't even deserve to come out of the closet if we're 50% yeah. to quota that's right and so yeah yeah so it, yeah it's a good point because you know he would look at that loss as a simple data point Mm -hmm. and he doesn't get emotional about it. And I think we can bring that into, into sales a lot because he spends a million and a half dollars. It's like 4% of his Lakers salary every year on keeping his body in tip top shape so that in his late thirties, he can still be performing at the top of his game. You know, you look at his average points per season, right? They've stayed pretty much the same since he's entered the league. It's it's astounding because he puts in the work. He has the framework, the infrastructure, the mentality. He, he brings all those together, the right support mechanism. That's what we need to bring into elite selling. And the, the very simple way of, of not uh, getting emotional, uh, here's that second framework, DFC. Um, be disciplined at the start of your day at the start of your sales cycle, the start of your meeting so that you can start well. It's almost like an athlete knows how to warm up to get themselves ready for intense training or competition. Do the same for your work day, your sales meeting, your sales engagement, whatever it is. Then once you're sort of in the middle, be F flexible, like more like an artist to be in flow state and be in the moment because you can't control everything that's happening in the middle of a workday. When you get an email out of the blue or, you know, the platform goes down and you have a really angry client that you have to deal with, even though you had something on your calendar that you really wanted to do. Um, so how do you sort of be flexible in, in those moments? And then, you know, end with curiosity. 
that's the end of your season, right? You, and, and it's a loss. Don't look back at it with emotion. Look back at it with curiosity. That's the C. And that's where you almost want to adopt a mindset of like a scientist to look back on your workday. Look back at the end of that deal, whether won or loss or whatever it is. At the end, look back and say, hey, what went well? How do I double down on those things in the future? And what didn't go well? So what do I need to do next time to improve it? Very simple framework to just keep you. DFC. DFC. Love it. Love it. Brandon, man, thank you so much. I, I really don't think I could have picked a per, more perfect guest uh, and more perfect content to sort of unveil uh, quota list to the world. Um, you know, one of the sort of founding ideas is that, you know, quota won't make you a better person, but if you become a better person, you'll surely hit quota. And, you know, just listening to your story, um, working through your seven steps to seven figure system, I'm confident that you, you, you sort of share that, that, um, that idea with me and, and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, Bobby. Um, honored to be your first guest and great conversation. Thanks for having well, me. Before we jump, how do folks get a copy of Seven Steps to Seven, Steps to Seven Figures, uh, follow along with your story, et cetera? Yeah, uh, like you said, I'm going to be dropping it publicly on March 7th. Those who are part of my newsletter, and you can sign up at brandonfluharty.com, um, you'll be getting some notifications about that and how to access it uh, at a discount. So when, when it drops, um, and another good place to follow me, I share a lot of this deconstructing the seven steps of seven figures on LinkedIn. Uh, so if anybody out there listening, please do follow me on LinkedIn. I post every single day and do, I think a decent job of responding to all the comments out there. So happy to address any questions out there. Well, Brandon, thanks once again, listeners. Thank you. Enjoy the day. If you enjoyed today's show, please go and support it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the Quotalist Weekly Newsletter by going to Quotalist.io. Remember, when you embrace practice, develop awareness, and align your efforts, you can rise above the deal. You can live Quotalist.